0: Dr. Dano Wanzer, there you go. Appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much. Um, so I, I wanted to, to talk with you about your uh, recent paper. I'm really excited about that, and then some other things too um, that uh, we can talk about. So you have a paper that you published in uh, AJE called "What Is Evaluation? Perspectives of How Evaluation Differs or Not from Research." So can you can you talk about like why this topic interests you. I mean, to write a paper, it takes a lot of time, and and to you know do the the study and analysis, just everything that went into this. This was not a a quick project. Um, you had to have, I guess, an interest in it, right? So can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, first, uh, you know, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited. I've very much enjoyed your podcast and uh, listened to the back catalog and watched the YouTube videos. So, really appreciate it, and thank you for having me here. Cool, nice. um, this all started back in graduate school. Um, I, I, so I studied at Claremont graduate university and, you know, studying evaluation day one, I was like, I don't even know what evaluation is, but once I found out, I was like, Oh, I'm hooked. This is Uh it. This is exactly what I've been, you know, trying to put into words and didn't know there was a, a term or a field for it. So it was very serendipitous, I think, to end up at Claremont when that was not the goal to go into evaluation. And so, um, as I'm going through my master's degree program, I had my heart set on getting a PhD. And so I've been, I was writing down all these ideas in a little notebook of thesis ideas. What, you know, what could my first study be for my thesis once I got into the PhD program. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of my first things that I wrote in my, in my book was like, what is the difference between research and evaluation? And it's something that throughout my graduate school, especially my first few years, I would always struggle with like, how would I describe the difference between research and evaluation? Why is there a difference? Do the differences matter? Um, What might those differences be? And so I just kept grappling with it. And as I continued to revisit, it didn't become my thesis, didn't become my dissertation, but I kept going back to it and eventually I was like, well, I just, I need to do this study. I need to do something with this because it's it's something that's bothering me so much that it's like, a, it's a question that I felt was really important to, to help answer. And so, you know, looking to the literature to see what, what's out there, um, it quickly became um, obvious that this was something that a lot of people were grappling with as well. And yeah. uh, nobody had really done research on it. It was just a lot of um, really good thought work on the topic. And so I wanted to extend that into an empirical study to find out, well, how do people define what evaluation is and how do they differentiate from research? Cause both are the issue, right? It's not just how do we differentiate from research, but also how do we define it? Um, I know we'll talk about in a bit, uh, like, uh, Amy Gulickson's article, cause I think it's a great, uh, very serendipitous as well that those two articles came out right around the same time. Uh, yeah. so like I took mine for my, my paper from a very, um, empirical, um, standpoint, a very descriptive standpoint, and hers is much more a prescriptive standpoint of what should the definition of evaluation be. And I think putting the two together, I think is, um, really helpful in how I now, you know, approach it and thinking Beautiful. about what is evaluation and research. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I really like the 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 summary. Some of the tables in your uh, your article are really helpful. Like the the distinction between the two, that table I could see using that uh, a lot in, in instruction. So I appreciate that. I think a lot of people will be using that. It's a nice kind of adding to what's what's out there and and building on that. And then uh, your review is really nice. And then the, the findings. Let's talk about the findings. So um, maybe a brief a brief summary of the findings, and then like anything that su- su- surprised you. Anything that surprised you from, um, and I guess you could talk a little bit just uh, about what you did too, because we, yeah. assuming people are, uh, probably shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. right.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, so methods were, um, I asked folks and I primarily sampled folks from the American Evaluation Association as well as the American Educational Research Association. So I will caveat that um, primarily either evaluators or educational researchers are who I was asking. Um, it'd be very interesting to do this study with economists as a follow-up because I think they'd have very different answers. But um, I approach it as, as with a simple survey. I wanted a simple survey that folks would be you know, encouraged to take and not feel overly burdened with. And, and it was very simple of like Open-ended question, how do you define evaluation? Mm -hmm. Open-ended question, how do you differentiate evaluation from research, if at all? And then um, a follow-up after that, okay, based on your definition and differentiation answers, which of these five diagrams, the diagrams being in the article, best matches your description? And those five diagrams are basically evaluation is applied research. They're one and the same. Mm -hmm. That um, evaluation and applied research intersect like a Venn diagram that evaluation is a subset of research, that research is a subset of evaluation and that they exist on a continuum. And I'm, so I asked that, and then I asked a variety of like, okay, on these dimensions that I provided, are there like where, to what extent do you think they differ? Uh, Evaluation research differ, for example, on generalizability or the purpose of the study or the questions that are asked. uh, so do not differ, differ somewhat, differ greatly. And a few demographic questions, and that was it. And so nice, short and sweet. Uh, overall results found that basically, um, when we th- like if we think of Amy Gullickson's article and thinking both the logic of evaluation and the fully described fully judged component, that uh, that values and judgment piece was was one of the things that really came out that a lot of people evaluation is about making those value judgments. In the evaluation literature, there's also this component of, that some people use to define evaluation that's related to the purpose of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Scriven is very much, no, the purpose of evaluation has nothing to do with how we define evaluation. Um, But a lot of evaluators do think the purpose is worthwhile mentioning. Um, The purpose is not just to define, like to make that value judgment, but often for learning purposes, decision-making purposes, that type of thing. Um and it evaluators.
0: An it's a means to an end a bit. So yeah. Yeah. We like the evaluate. value judgment
1: is not the, the end end all be all. There's something more to it that's right. what makes evaluation the field that we are in. Um perhaps it's I won't go into that, but um, so there's this there, we've got this kind of dichotomy there, which um, you know, I think we're starting to explore a little bit more like the different types of evaluators and how they you know might differ on theirs, but for the most part, evaluators thought that decision-making piece was also kind of important more so than researchers did. And then, um, the one big finding is basically that evaluators thought that evaluation and researcher research it intersect like a Venn diagram,
0: mm-hmm. suggesting
1: that evaluation has these unique components to it beyond, uh, the social science research frame. So they, right? they
0: overlap kind of like, like they kind of, okay, right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Right. Venn diagram. Got it. Um, Whereas researchers tended to think of evaluation more as a subset of research, that mm-hmm. evaluation just a type of research is a method in the methodological toolbox of research. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it that's it. And I think the implications of that are pretty important. That if researchers think evaluation is just a method, that perhaps they don't really recognize evaluation as being a distinct field, a distinct area of study, as having unique aspects beyond research. Um, so that that that's one big finding. And then the, the second big finding is that evaluators, not surprisingly given the definitional differences, did see a lot more differences between research and evaluation on those components. Like they thought more things differed and they differed more greatly than did researchers. Uh, be- between evaluation and research. So we see the unique aspect, but people outside our field don't necessarily see that. And that's kind of the communication, field building, professionalization problem associated with all this. And why I think a lot of people are grappling with this question.
0: I think there's a lot of people who are more like methodologists, statisticians, so forth in the social sciences who don't really know what evaluation is. Like if you push them to say, okay, well, what is, Okay. So it's a subset. Okay. So, but, 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 what is it? Define it. They, they, the definition, they would be like, I don't know, you know, it'd be like the same. It's the same. You know, I've, I've heard that many times either. I don't know or they're, they're really the same thing. Yeah. We have stakeholders too. You know, we have, you know, so that's, that's, I think that's interesting. Now it's a small sample of just people that I, you know, have talked with who are not evaluators, but, uh, I think we do have to do a better job of really explaining, which is one of the, the points in your paper, explaining like what, what we do, what's unique about it. Um, but at the same time, it's a challenge, right? Like, how do you do that when you, you still, you know, haven't really defined the field? I mean, we, we know what physicians do, generally. We know what licensed psychologists do. We know what, you know, if you're an architect, we know what you can, you know, and you're, you're licensed by the state or regulated in some way. We know what you can do, what you can't do, but with evaluations, a bit different, quite different, I guess. Um, well, you know, I, I wonder, um, I wonder where, where it's going to head. Uh, you know, I wonder if we're going to have some sort of more like more professionalization uh, in the field. Do you have do you have thoughts on that, or do you do you think about that at all? Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, um, I do think about this a lot. Uh, Bianca Montrose-Moorhead and I are doing kind of a follow-up study that I think helps us at least think about how this could have, like be used for professionalization. Um, I see our field moving in that direction, at least here in, in the United States. The recently adopted competencies are clearly a step towards professionalization. They are not indicative of necessarily that we are a profession just yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bianca and I have been approaching it not so much as like, are we a profession or not, but more so, okay, regardless of that question, how do we distinguish ourselves from other similar fields or professions? Um, Kind of thinking about what those boundaries are between evaluation and in our case, research for the most part. And so we talk about it a lot about like should we professionalize? and I, I I fully recognize both sides of the argument. and I think they both have good valid arguments for like why or why not we should mm-hmm. professionalize. In one regard, um, that I think our research is pointing towards is like we need to professionalize to better communicate to others outside of our field who we are, what we do, and how we are supposed to do this work. because if we don't have those professional boundaries, then, I mean, and we see this all the time, then funders get to dictate how evaluation is done. And it doesn't always align with our set of competencies, our ethical guiding principles, um, the personal frameworks and approaches that we use in evaluation. They'll just say, no, this is what we expect. And that may not align with what you want to do as an evaluator or what you think is maybe even ethical as an evaluator.
0: They call it it evaluation. They say, we want to do an evaluation. We'll fund, you know, 10% of the project will go towards this but then when you look at it it's really maybe not evaluation or arguably not
1: yeah right and so like like often it's depending on the type of funder often it's it's an rct right that's Mm -hmm. that is what's most highly recognized by uh clearing houses like the what works clearing house uh as the highest level of evidence type thing Mm -hmm. and that is a method in our evaluation toolbox, just like it's a method in the research toolbox, but it is not sufficient. Like it's, it's one way to do evaluation. It's not sufficient in and of itself is not fully encompassing that fully judged piece that, um, that, uh, Amy Gulickson's article talks about that is really key to being an evaluation. So, um, some, like I, I get the sense that a lot of people think evaluation is an RCT and that, that is what it is. Um, there might be some more to it, but when people, especially I think researchers are approaching it, it's like, am I doing an RCT with a program? Cool. That's an, that's an evaluation. And then the problem I see with that, and this is what I'm starting to see in this follow-up study that we're doing is that we're talking with researchers who are working in like deeply embedded in programmatic contexts, working really closely with stakeholders. And they are talking about how they're rejecting the, like the typical applied research kind of swoop in, swoop out, like um, not really being invested in the program, all this stuff. Uh, And they're, they're talking about rejecting that notion. And, but then you talk to them, well, what do you think about evaluation? They're like, no, I don't No, This isn't evaluation. And I'm like, in in many regards, I think you're practicing very similarly to evaluation and mm-hmm. how a lot of people, how a lot of evaluators approach that type of work. And they I, I'm pretty certain that they just have this misconception of what evaluation is, and mm-hmm. therefore they don't even explore this wide field that we have, this knowledge that we have about and expertise about working with stakeholders to answer questions of of interest to them that also have interest to, uh, you know, general knowledge building. Oftentimes, like we, we have these areas of expertise that aren't getting tapped into because there's not this lack of recognition that we are our own field and own profession with our own bodies of knowledge that unfortunately we're just not, we're not communicating with one another. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, having a a variety of definitions doesn't help, you
1: know, it does not
0: back to, back to that. So with the, Let's, let's, let's say so you mentioned Amy Gullickson's article and I, I, you know, spoke with her, um, you know, great. It was a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. It was, and, uh, so from, so she has an article. what actually first attracted me to the article was the, the, uh, the, 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 title was the whole elephant defining evaluation. Uh, it was in evaluation pro- program planning, the, the journal. And so this is her, her definition. I'm going to have to read it here because I don't okay. know it from memory, which I, it seems like you almost know it by memory or maybe you do. Let's see. Evaluation is the generation of a credible and systematic determination of merit, worth and or significance of an object through the application of defensible criteria and standards to demonstrably relevant empirical facts. In one breath would be impre- impressive, but I, I had to breathe a couple times there. So tell me about that. What, what do you... So thinking, reflecting on that definition, what do you, what do you think of it? What's, what's your, like, okay. I guess I could just ask you, like, what, what do you say to people when they, like who maybe are researchers? Cause you, you, you come, you, you, interact in your, in your department probably with maybe a lot of people that don't know much about evaluation, although you have more to evaluate established program, I think there are right. Yeah. Um, but how do you explain it? others let's just let's say your students to faculty to you know people who are in you know and who work at human health, health human service organizations who provide programs services yeah how do you how do you explain it
1: so i very much agree with the article by sarah mason and ashley hunt that came out um I think 2019 and also the American Journal of Evaluation, uh, Sarah Mason was my colleague. Well, both of them were my colleagues at Claremont Graduate University. And they they looked into that very question, how do we communicate what evaluation is to a variety of other people? And the basic finding from that is it's contextual, depends on who I'm talking to. So if I'm talking to a colleague at my institution at University of Wisconsin-Stout, I'm going to approach it like... Like how it kind of typically of define evaluation sort of is like you know I work with programs to help evaluate how effective they're doing, how they can improve their services, how they can better meet the needs of the people that they're working with. That's typically how I approach it. And then when somebody's like, oh, I know about evaluation, then I can get nerdy into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm talking to like my mom's friend and my mom and my like you know my family kind of knows what I do a little bit. Um, like, I'm just gonna be like, I, ca- I kind of work with programs, do like research, like stuff with them about how they're doing what they're doing and how they can improve what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of uh, simplify things a little bit. Um, I remember I kept, I would always poke my husband. of like, how, what do you think I do? And one time it was like, you survey children. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes that's part of it, but uh, you know, like People come with a variety of different levels of expertise and Uh and experience with evaluation and related fields. Um, So like with my students, I can expect them to know a little bit about what about uh, what research is, not evaluation, but research is. And so that's kind of one reason why I like my study and why I like I assign it as reading is because they've got that kind of uh, heuristic in mind already. Like, okay, research is this. And then it's like, well, how does it? how is it similar and different from research to evaluation? Mm-hmm. And so then they can see, okay, those methods are pretty similar. The designs are pretty similar, but it's like that stakeholder involvement piece, the purpose piece, the questions piece, the dissemination piece, those are the differences. And so I spend more time in my classes on those components as well. Like I don't, I do need to cover the methods a little bit, but um, they get that in their methods training in general and their research training in general. So I don't have to cover it as much because a survey is a survey for the most part, at least in my opinion. Mm Um, and then it it's just the, how it's implemented can differ a little bit and how it fits into the overall purpose and dissemination. That's going to differ a lot.
0: The definition of evaluation, I think it's, it's really important. Um, you see, let's say with, um, a lot of health human service organizations folks running those programs when they need to find an evaluator um, for uh a, for a, let's say a federal grants or a foundation grants required to have an evaluator let's say um so they'll they'll need to you know reach out find someone and a lot of times they'll look for people who are researchers who have content area you know domain uh familiarity like with, with whatever if it's after school you know they'll look for someone with after school and then the assumption many times with the the person that they're bringing on is because they have that domain content familiarity, and that they have a background. They like they know statistics. They took it. They they use it. Whatever, um, or some qual you know qualitative. Whatever it is, the, the methodological sophistication, understanding that they can do the evaluation. It's never it, that's I mean that's the assumption. It's never even talked about beyond that, right? Um, as, as so, I think that that we have to do better uh, uh, to address that kind of, that kind of issue. I think that comes up and, you know, what, what could an evaluator uh, do that would maybe be a bit different on this project uh, or could be at least.
1: Um, To some extent, that's kind of why I think that evaluators should have some, some subject matter expertise beyond evaluation um, (laughs) that, And there are are great evaluators that are pure generalists that they'll work in any context, but they do it well because they they partner with subject matter experts, right? Um, But I think it also helps to be, for example, I approach like, I'm a youth program evaluator. Mm-hmm. Could I go and do an evaluation in some other context? Sure. I would definitely bring in subject matter expertise, but at least if I go into a youth program context, like an after-school program, I'm going to feel really comfortable in that because I've done a lot of evaluations in that, in that field, computer science education. I feel a lot more comfortable in that field as well. Um, and then you start br- like branching out and I feel less and less comfortable. And I don't feel like I can bring that expertise in. Um, going from the other side, though, the, the pure subject matter expertise experts without the evaluation expertise, um, I always found it funny that um, a lot of our projects at Claremont would come from programs who had partnered with such people and were like, no, this is not working for us. Can you help us? And so we had to come in and kind of rescue the evaluation because what typically happens, at least from the folks that end up coming to us afterwards, is you know, they're coming in with a peer research agenda, not thinking about what is the program's needs. They mm-hmm. um, don't communicate well with the program about what they're doing and why they're doing it, why it's important, because it could be important, but it's just, pro- it's just there's a lack of alignment. Mm-hmm. And that makes the program who's paying for these services very frustrated, Right. And so then they seek out people who's like, well, this is what we need. We need to get funding. We need to do this. We need to figure out if this is working or whatnot. They wanted to do some weird research project. That sounds cool, but it's not relevant to what we do. And so um, I think that's the big key about what we do is like, we are there to work with the programs, like sure, to get paid, like we need our livelihoods, but we're there to help them in their capacities. And we bring in our expertise because sometimes we're like, well, that's not quite what you should be focusing on. You know, let's start here first. We can get there later, right? Everybody wants to jump to outcomes. You're not often ready for the outcomes, um, so we can help them get to that point. Um, versus, and so this is like the topic of my dissertation was looking at how evaluations are similar to research practice partnerships, uh, where researchers partner with practitioners to develop partnerships. Like uh, the University of Chicago Consortium is one really big example, long term um, example of that, yeah. and. They're they're really awesome. I love research practice partnerships. I think that they're kind of the the in between between what we do as evaluators and what researchers do typically, though, right? Because Mm -hmm. they still have researchers tend to still have kind of their own agenda coming in. Mm -hmm. They want to get published. They want to contribute to the general knowledge base. They Mm -hmm. want to um, get access to data that they can do other things with. Mm -hmm. Versus maybe an evaluator is interested in that, but for the most part, where they're work with the program, help the program out, do what they need, meet their needs.
0: There's a general, like philosophical, like an orientation difference, like just a, how you're oriented, you're oriented towards the program, towards what their needs are, towards helping. That is like the primary kind of uh, goal. Most evaluators would agree with that. Most, not all, but most maybe.
1: I would say so. I do get, I get, I get some pushback from some folks who, cause I think they think when I say that uh, it's like, we're purely um, uh, like altruistic about it. Like we're, huh. you know, we're just doing it for the love of the program. And I think some of us are doing it for the love of the programs we're working with, but um, others are like, nah, I, you know, I, yeah, the program's beneficial, but you know, I'm just doing my job. I'm like, okay, cool. I love evaluation so much that like, I can't, you know, if I, if that were my mentality, I would not care about doing this very much. Like I, I love what I do and I do it because I love working the programs, but yeah, not everybody agrees. And I I do get pushed back on that.
0: So I I was watching this, um, this really cool webinar on machine learning and uh, and design in, uh, in like computer applications. And so they were, they were talking about like how to incorporate machine learning into uh, different, you know, different applications, you know, like how you use machine learning, like on Pinterest, you know, and and how it should be the user experience. I should have said user, the user, the UX, the user experience. It was really neat. But what stood out for me, aside from the content, was they were, the, the presenter was describing really an evaluation process, didn't use the word evaluate. Well, used evaluate a few times, didn't uh, refer to the value part of it, but was more like figuring out what works, getting feedback, you know, using some quant qual methods in order to figure out how to make the UX with you know bringing uh, ML into into an application, like how to do that more effectively. So it what I was like distracted by internally, which happens sometimes, was like, well, you know, do we need like a better word <laughs> than evaluation? You know, we'd say program evaluation, you know, and, and some people really don't like that, um, right? Um, but like, do we need another word? Because everyone uses this word evaluation, right? I mean, in every field and they don't know who we are or what we do, um, let's say, for example. But do we, is there another term or another way that we need to describe how we, how we conceptualize evaluation? What, what's, your, yeah. what's your thought about that? I, I, I'm not sure. I have no idea what the answer to that is.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I don't either. I I have talked to people who are adamant that we need a new, a new word and other people that think that, you know, evaluation is sufficient and does sufficiently and adequately and accurately define what we do. Um, I think the issue is the perhaps negative connotations that are associated with the word Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, evaluation anxiety for one that, um, Unfortunately, evaluation also has different meanings in different fields, right? So like evaluation and computer programming is a very different thing of like determining whether you're, well, actually, I'm not sure. I've never really investigated. I would assume evaluating if your co- coding works, if the, like, you know, making sure that your code works. Um, it,
0: was more around, not, uh, it might not be relevant, but it's like, it was more around the like, user experience, right? Right. Um, and like how you, how you, uh, tie in the machine learning in, into the um, you, you, the, the user experience. So. Um, yeah.
1: And we, I do see user experience as a very similar field that uh, yeah. could also, you know, we, we could be partnering more in that. Um, for instance, at Claremont, um, uh, our cognitive psychology program, at least from what I heard, uh, dropped the co-concentration and evaluation so that they could focus on user experience. And I'm like, Okay, cool. Uh, but you know, the evaluation could be user experience. The problem is we approach, at least at Claremont, and I think the majority of the field approaches our evaluation from a program evaluation standpoint, and user experience focuses up the evaluation. It's a different um, evaluant that it's focusing on, um, and it does shift things a little bit. The whole the whole general logic of evaluation stays the same, but. The end result, the purpose is a little different, and what the thing that's being evaluated is a little different, and mm-hmm. who the 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 stakeholder is is a little different, and so it changes things to the point that there feels like there's a disconnect when really I don't think there is, or at least it's it doesn't have to be that way.
0: Okay. You, you we talked touched on this a little bit before, but if you let's say this has happened to me, and I'm just interested in your what you might say, but. Um, and maybe you're going to repeat what you said already, but if you had to convince a, someone, a methodologist, in the social sciences, someone, you know, let's say, who doesn't have a particular interest in evaluation, doesn't know what evaluation is, that evaluation and uh, research are distinct, that uh, they, they overlap, like we said, with the Venn diagram, but one, the evaluation is not just sort of embedded within research. What and And you don't have much time to to do that maybe um how would you elevator do that? speech how, how much, what would what would your uh, your brief bulleted pointed uh you know like elevator speech be yeah. Yeah.
1: i I think I would emphasize that um we work primarily with stakeholders to determine what we are examining like what we are setting and how we are setting like there there's more of a partnership lens that unlike research tends not to it tends to be like Oh, I'd be interested in studying this. Let me go find a place where I can go study it as uh-huh. opposed to somebody comes to me usually and is like, I need help with this. Can you help me? And it's like, yes, I can do that. And so uh, I would emphasize like I'm there to help support them in whatever their needs are as a program to, to determine whether or not it works and how well it works that that merit worth significance type thing, the value judgment piece. Um and, yeah, we use a lot of similar methods, um, but I am working primarily for the program to help the program as opposed to coming in with my kind of long-term research agenda, trying to get published in the peer-reviewed literature. Like, now, my, my stuff tends to end with the final report and presentation to the stakeholders as opposed to uh, getting published. Like, sometimes it gets published, but it, the, the framing is going to be very different than how I, I approached it with the, the stakeholders.
0: Okay, well, you kept me interested. so I think you'd, you 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 would definitely uh, you could make a, a good argument there a concise a succinct argument there uh, that that sounds uh, that makes sense to me. What evaluation uh, which evaluation theories do you use most in your work or theory? like what is your kind of kind of shifting gears a little bit, I think um, what what is what's your approach look like?
1: So- at, uh, is mostly for my training, but theory driven evaluation is, is a big one. Um, so, um, you know, uh, like Stuart Donaldson, Huey Chen's theory driven evaluation. Um, I, um, I try to be like, I have a collaborative approach. Definitely. I try to be more participatory when I can. Um, I I don't, uh, it's not always what I'm able to do and not what I was necessarily trained to do. Um, I I try to take a very contingency based approach. Um, So like I almost always have a theory-driven lens to what I'm uh-huh. doing, but it's very contingent based on the, the the context of where I'm working, who I'm working with, what their needs are. Um, so I don't it doesn't really necessarily change my the the broad theory or approaches that I use. Um, what is but it,
0: Yeah. What does that mean exactly? I, I, the um,
1: you know, I think this comes from Huey Chen as well of just kind of um, kind of taking more of like a pr- pragmatic. Uh, epistemological approach to the work that I'm doing. Um, rather than coming in with a particular lens and a particular framework, I try to like, sometimes I come in and it's like, yeah, an RCT would be great. Sometimes, um, uh, sometimes I come in and it's like, wow, we really need to do a needs assessment. Um, you know, sometimes, um, I see that they really need to work on improving their use. So I take a much more um, uh, capacity-building lens and utilization-focused lens to the the work that I'm doing. Um, Sometimes um, the the program is really uh, interested in more of a democratic evaluation approach. So I'll I'll do more of a values-engaged or democratic approach. So I try to be a little flexible in what I do. Although, yeah, typically it's utilization-focused um, collaborative and theory driven, and I'm working on improving my knowledge and understanding of like social justice evaluation approaches, equitable evaluation approaches to to build that into my typical evaluation approaches.
0: Great, thanks so the, the theory side, uh, the social uh, science theory that it, that you find that you end up using or helpful in, in in your work that can maybe comes up frequently. What is there any uh, are there any uh, a particular um, Are there uh, orientations or findings or, or I guess, theories, models, um, that you, that you use from the social sciences you find that are particularly helpful?
1: Yeah. So my, my background and training in psychology, um, I, I tend to, I tend to gravitate towards psychological theories, um, and frameworks. Um, and then particularly I was developmental psychologist. So one of my favorites and the one that, um, permeates a lot of my thinking all the time is Bronfenbrenner's um, bioecological framework. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: It's a systems framework, which basically is that, you know, the the individual me is nested within a variety of different, um, uh, what's the word, like um, larger and less concrete systems um, and and, uh, areas that also interact with one another to affect the individual. And it just as a general framework of thinking with the systems lens, it's just constantly thinking about like what else could be affecting the individual in a program and always looking at like kind of those those interaction effects. Um, So I I like doing like interaction type effects, looking at kind of moderation analyses to see like um, how does this how does this effect differ based on individual characteristics, based on contextual characteristics, based on family characteristics, after school program characteristics? Different and then levels. how do those yeah, different yeah. levels and, and how those kind of affect like program outcomes, for instance? Um, so I, I tend to take that lens a lot um, lately, taking more of like an identity lens. So social identity theory is something I've been learning a lot more about and bringing that to my work. Um, theory of plan behavior is also something I've, I'm learning more about. Like if I could go back though, I would, I would, I would have studied social or organizational psychology. Cause those are the ones that keep coming up more and more yeah. versus the developmental psychology, which is great for like studying the program. But like in thinking about how I approach the evaluation, the other two are usually a lot more relevant to all the things that I'm doing.
0: Cool. Yeah. I think that there's a, that there's a lot in social psychology that, that we can use in our programs um, yep. when we consider, could it really help our, uh, with program design? Um, exactly. Absolutely. With uh, the decision-making like the bias and uh, heuristics and and, uh, and bias and decision-making and uh, or cognitive and, uh, bias and thinking um, things like understanding like cognitive dissonance theory and its impact um, you know, there's just, there's, there's a ton there. What's, what do you, what do you say for your uh, students as they're, as they really want to dig into evaluation, learn more about it? How do you, what do you recommend for them? Where do you, where do you point them? What's the, what what do you usually, what's your, uh, MO?
1: Yeah. Well, um, they, they come into our program and if they're coming into our program, they usually don't care much about evaluation or know what it is or, but they're required to take our first evaluation class, which, you know, gets them sucked in. Um, and so it's just kind of like all the stuff I teach with, right. That, that is how I approach it. Cause most of the time, they're not really eager about it until they see like, the effect of what they've done. And so it's not until like the end of the year that they're like, Ooh, I think this could be the career for me. Um, it usually takes them a while because they come in they're like, I want to be an IO psychologist. And, uh, then I, I, get to rope them into like, Oh, you could do that in a Nordic field, but you could do evaluation, right? Like similar, um, and probably aligned with what you're doing anyways, or interested in. So
0: you haven't learned. Uh, they do they learn through a, some sort of project or something uh, yep. like
1: service okay. learning projects so um we have a year-long uh course sequence in our program and it's their first year they um they work with a local client i usually go out and find the clients because by that point they're not usually familiar with the, the area so i'll find uh, a few organizational clients to work with in a variety of different sectors and areas who will work with us to do an evaluation throughout the year? So the students work directly with the programs. Um, I take a very hands-off approach to that, and it's like, no, you are their their evaluators, and I'm just helping supervise. So they work with directly with the clients to in the fall semester develop their evaluation plans, their proposals as a,
0: as a, te- as a team. There's like as a, a team. few students together. Okay, yeah.
1: Yep. Usually in st- uh, groups of three to fours, I, I try not to do any smaller or less but, uh, or smaller or bigger than that. Uh, but, you know, when group yeah. sizes change, it sometimes yeah. affects things. Um, yeah. And then in the spring semester, they do their evaluation, collect, you know, get their IRB approval, finalize their measures, um, collect their data, analyze their data, report back to stakeholders.
0: Nice. So yeah. the, the, the students, who maybe you don't, you just they come to your class, you don't see them again. How do you hope that the experience of learning about evaluation will impact them in their future work? Like what would you, when you think about that?
1: Yeah, um, and, yeah, because I know some, some people teach evaluation or know their students are primarily going to come out of it of like consumers of evaluation, um, people who will work with an evaluator in the future. I'm training my students to be future evaluators. I know not all of them will be, but at least they know that that's a career opportunity that they could pursue if they want to. And so I think of it as they are probably going to go into like a research analyst type position in the first place. This is broadening the particular jobs that they can go into once they leave our program Um, because they're getting a degree in in, uh, an MS in applied psychology. Um, And so they get this content expertise in IO psychology. They can bring that to a variety of fields. And this just opens up the possibilities for them. Um, So I, I do teach it as like, I want you to become a future evaluator. And if you don't become a future evaluator, okay, you've learned how to work directly with stakeholders. You've learned good teamwork skills. You've learned good methodological skills that would apply to any research project. You've learned the real world messiness of doing all of this work. You've learned project management skills. You've learned how to do a little bit of budgeting and time management, Um, Like these are skills Mm -hmm. that regardless of where you're going to go, like you're going to need these skills.
0: Yeah. And some of those they wouldn't learn uh, if they were, you know, let's say doing a some some sort of like practica or or they had a year long experience that was not evaluation that was like a typical research kind of partnership or something like that. They might, they might not learn, let's say, depending who's teaching. Yeah. They might
1: not. Yeah. Um, some of the things I think are really critical are the stakeholder involvement piece, um, like how to work with stakeholders and, and meet their needs. Um, I don't know. I think I, I, at least the way we approach our practicums, because um, we also have a practicum requirement, it, it's very similar. Um, some of them will do more research experiences, but but by then at least they've learned how messy it can be. Right. Now, like coming out of the the class, honestly, a lot of the students are like, oh, I wish I had done things so differently. I'm like, yeah, I kind of wish you did too. but you know, I, I let you learn and learn from your failures and now you're never going to make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Or now, you know, you need a plan ahead of time. Usually it's time management, right? That, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize it would take that long. I'm like, I try to <laughs> warn you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hear that a lot. I hear myself saying that a lot. Um, <laughs> right. So, uh, we've been doing some work. There's a group of us working on a, a paper right now on, on mindfulness and evaluation. And I've talked about that a bit and sort of blogged about it or posted on it. Um, like, you know, using like reflective questions to build mindfulness, uh, building on some other, uh, some, some, uh, physicians who've done work, uh, in that, um, for their own training programs. But, uh, I was wondering, uh, certainly mindfulness is beyond re- reflective questions. There's other aspects to it as well. And it's also beyond, uh, it's not just med- uh, meditation. Um, but I'm, now, I'm wondering if you if you see uh, to what extent you might see mindfulness uh, helping to support maybe the competencies that you know we're just you know we're, we're, we're talking about maybe uh, help to help evaluators do a better uh, job. like what, what is there a role? is there a place? and you see and you said that there was some work that maybe you were doing or talked or some people you were talking with about that. So I'm interested in your in your feet and your uh, insights on that or thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I love about our program is that um, Tiffany Smith, who's now at uh, University of North Carolina Greensboro, um, she had my position before I came here. And she developed a course for our graduate students or or revised a pre-existing course for our graduate students on interpersonal effectiveness. Mm. And so uh, we have an, an explicit course focusing on the competency of interpersonal skills, um, which I think we are the only program that has that. And I have grown to love the fact that we have that uh, as a course. And and I feel very honored to get to teach that course because it's it's a life-changing course for our students, one, a life-changing course for myself. Yeah. Um, and so in that course, we focus on a lot of interpersonal skills, but um, what, and then Libby Smith, you know, current AEA board member who is our program director at Stout. So like, I'm very fortunate to have an evaluation colleague as well in our program. Um, when she started teaching the course, she brought in a, um, mindfulness practice, um, mindfulness meditation type practice at the beginning of every class. And I've, I've incorporated that as well. um, because, well, from a pedagogical standpoint, I think having that at the start of a th- what is a three-hour class once a week um, yeah. is really great for us to build presence in the moment and, you know, like take a moment. You've had a day. We're in the afternoon now. Like There are things going on in your life, and especially last year with everything that was going on with the multiple pandemics, it was nice to be like, okay, there are things going on. Let's take a moment. Let's breathe together. Let's, you know, focus on what we're doing and think now to like, what are we doing here today? And who are we with? Let's be prepared to have good conversations um, and not forget that those things are existing, but just be prepared to be in this moment with the rest of us together. So um, I find it really like incredibly helpful for that. But um, the three of us, Tiffany, Libby, and I have been um, working together. Uh, Libby developed this, this framework on wholehearted interpersonal practices about how we can better cultivate that presence, and which would only just impact our interpersonal qualities and skills that, of course, are a competency in our field. So like, there are things that we need to focus on, um, but we're just of the mind like, one, these things need to be taught. They need to be practiced on a regular basis. And um that they're only going to improve our evaluation skills, so i like I'm fully on board with all of this. I think this is incredible we uh I tend to approach it i tend to approach it from more of like a um journal reflecting uh standpoint journal reflection standpoint um but in that class we 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 practice a variety of other techniques to to build that mindfulness to practice our reflection um both personally and interpersonally. Because I think think the one thing we talk about a lot is that the reflective practice is not a solo effort. It's something Mm -hmm. that's done in community. And I think this is why sometimes I struggle with the whole journaling aspect of reflective practice because I'd rather like have a dialogue, me and you, let's talk. Like I'm having this issue or this thing happened. I don't know what to do about it. Um, Having the dialogue is so critical and so helpful for doing it, as opposed to, I'm just going to try to journal it because I'm lacking other perspectives on it, especially external uh, perspectives that I'm too in the weeds right now or too emotional about the situation to have a clear mind about it just yet. But they do, and they can help navigate me through the situation and I for them as well.
0: Yeah. So maybe both uh, the journaling and having the community or having an opportunity to, able to, uh, reflect, um, with, with others. Um, yeah, uh, I think that there's a, there's a place for mindfulness practice uh, with virtually every, uh, career discipline, right? You see it being used in a very focused way to address uh, stress in certain like high stress professions from military police, first responders to Litigators, to attorneys, teachers—it's a high-stress profession. I think programs developed for that, and I'm—you know—I I think that, and a lot of those, those those disciplines have a high burnout rate. In evaluation, we don't necessarily—it doesn't seem like it, it can be very high stress. It can—it can certainly be high stress. There can be a lot of pressure. Let's say. Doesn't seem like burnout is particularly high among valuators just based on looking at one study. Um, I don't know how how much it's been studied in, in detail, but I think um, you know a mindfulness practice can be something that can support, like you're saying, a, a reflective practice can help uh, build uh, openness, like decrease defensiveness, uh, openness to uh, to things that are maybe inconsistent with our initial beliefs a lot of times we want to you know be very i want to you know sort of defend the, the ideas that i have and and don't even realize that i'm that i'm doing it um so just noticing when there when that comes up when there's conflicting cognitions or emotions that i'm uncomfortable with that maybe sort of try to push away automatically just noticing that process is something that can that noticing can be something that, that could be cultivated it could be built using a, a practice, a formal practice. But I, I think that there's there's applications across areas. And I think Definitely. within our field, there's certainly uh, a space uh, for it, um, yeah. What? Um, so resources that you suggest uh, for like the beginning evaluators, people who are interested in evaluation that maybe provide your students like what are some specific resources that that might be helpful yeah
1: yeah i um i've lately ditched the textbook so i I try to bring in a variety of different resources to my students when i'm teaching them um so that they get kind of a wide variety of perspectives from folks um and i I should have better prepared for this question because i'm like i'm like my (laughs) my bookcase is right here with all my books and (laughs)
0: Well, we could put in the, in the notes. So, you know, if there's like specific things or if there's a, you know, we could put like a list or, of, of different things. Yeah. I'll see what I can do off the notes.
1: top of my head. Okay. Um, I think one of my favorite to like really start off with is, um, um, Marv Alkin and, um, and book, the A disease, uh, evaluation essentials, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, I, I like, like that, that as a yeah. small little book to help folks kind of get into the field. Donna Podum's book, um, is it being an evaluator? I think it is. That's also really good, like getting into like the thought processes. And I, I really like that one because it really shows like what it means to be an evaluator as opposed to the evaluation process. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's more of a person focused as a, as opposed to process product focused. Um, Veronica Thomas and, uh, blink, oh, oh, Patricia Campbell, I think, um, came out with a recent textbook, um, Evaluation in today's society—I think it's called—that um, is evaluation from a social justice standpoint, and I love it because most books up to this point, um, or have either been standalone. It, it's like a standalone chapter, like okay, a social justice lens. Like the Mertens and Wilson's textbook is really great that it adds that kind of fourth uh, branch to the theory tree and adds that transformative paradigm. Um, but her book has it permeate the entire process, like thinking about evaluation from a social justice lens throughout from start to end, which I really appreciate. So she brings in um, um, like critical race theories, feminist evaluation approaches um, uh, evaluation uh, practitioners of color, um, indigenous scholars, like throughout the entire thing. So we're not just getting a, what has historically been a histor- like a, a, a white male perspective for the most part that has historically been what our field has been. Right. Um, and, and that's something I've been, again, I've been working on personally. And like, if I were to switch textbooks, it would be that one. Um, other resources I tend to navigate my students towards are the AEA 365 bogs. Um, those are great to nice short pieces to mm-hmm. um, get a sense of what's going on in the field. Um, Better evaluation has a wonderful website that I always gravitate people towards. Um, the Western Michigan has their list of checklists that I love to uh, <laughs> assign as readings oftentimes, and I, I adapt those into my grading rubrics for their evaluation proposals. Um, and then I always try to, and I, I'm very barely successful. Every once in a while, I get a student um, to get students onto Twitter. Uh, Because I think the Twitter community, uh, the evaluation Twitter community is one, a wonderful group of people, but that's where I get most of my professional development these days because people will share their blogs or whatever on there Uh and I will learn about them, read about them, find out more on there, or I'll just get to have conversations with folks. I've met some wonderful colleagues through Twitter. Um, I get the sense the same is true on LinkedIn, but I'm just not as active there and I haven't quite like figure it out. LinkedIn, I yeah, yeah, don't quite yeah. like the platform, but I know there's a great community on there as well.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, only, there is uh, it's, I only have sort of enough bandwidth for one, if, if that, and I try right. to limit how much I, I check. And so I I'll check Twitter once in a while, but it's, it tends to, you know, lead to like a lot of time on there. So, you know, with, with LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn, there's, there's some great stuff too. And I, I feel, yeah, yeah, I feel like there's a lot you can get. I'm just seeing what's, what's going on, what's posting, uh, what's being posted about and, and, uh, different like interviews, stuff that you've done. So like, uh, let, let's talk about that, getting in touch with you, um, following like your work, how do, how do people, so on, on, uh, your social, your handle on, on Twitter, is that a good yep. place Then it sounds like
1: Yeah. Twitter's a great place. It's okay. at Dana Wanzer, just my full name. Uh you can also find me on my website, Danawanser.com. Um I'm also on Instagram, but it's kind of more me just posting pictures of my dogs um, more than <laughs> anything. Uh occasionally I get a little nerdy on there. Um and TikToks. I've been getting into TikTok lately, which is a major time suck. Um yeah. there's some cool communities of people like I've been learning Excel tips. Like somebody just does Excel tips that some of them I had never heard of. I was like, really? oh, this is like a one cool. minute,
0: like a one minute Excel tip. Like just exactly. You know, I've been looking for like evaluation stuff on there. I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything, but that's, but maybe, I haven't. That, yeah, that's just like, a few, you know, some months ago, but um, yeah, it, it's a uh, interest. Do you ever go in there?
1: Uh, no, I don't, I don't even have an account. Like sometimes I'll see like a cool Pinterest board that I'll uh-huh. like look at, but I, it's usually not even anything that I want to save. So, um, I'm not on Pinterest very much either. I'm on Facebook, but that's a personal account. Uh, and then LinkedIn, I think it's also at Dana Wanzer. The, um, the after my name is Dana Wanzer as well.
0: Great. Perfect. Uh, and then I guess they could find you on your, uh, UW, uh, stout uh, website also yep. email and so forth great um anything else we didn't cover that you want to mention or is that uh anything else
1: Ooh, um i don't think so well i mean i i have a, i have a podcast as well oh, yeah, so yeah podcast uh, that's
0: right uh, yeah yeah Evaluant. um
1: at Evaluant, yep um that, that rolls off the tongue maybe not so nicely but uh um I, so i've got that and um on that, I just want to give a little plug-in shout-out to um, all the other evaluation podcasts that are out there. I've got a link on my evalueland.fireside.fm. On the website, there's a link to all the other evaluation podcasts that I uh, am aware of, um, some of whom, some of which are discontinued, but I've been trying to maintain that list. So if you like evaluation podcasts, check that out. Uh, you're, both of yours should be on there. Your YouTube, I think your YouTube as well, um, but the data talks and, um, do you have two podcasts now? Cause you, so I, changed yeah, network? I changed
0: Yeah. I changed the name to about network. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Um, I'll need to change uh, that on the website then. Yeah, yeah. I think it still <laughs> says data talks. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, great. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for, for the discussion. Really, uh, really interesting and look forward to talking to you more and hopefully seeing you at uh, AEA in the, in the near future, um, in person one day. Hopefully someday. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, thank you so much. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun.
0: Great.